Welcome to the Oxygen Advantage podcast with your host, Oxygen Advantage founder, Patrick McKeown. With the Oxygen Advantage podcast, we aim to show how functional breathing is an essential part of a healthy and well-balanced lifestyle. Each episode, we meet experts in their field from around the world and talk about their lives, their experiences, and how they learned the importance of breathing. Join us and get inspired. Get the Oxygen Advantage. Is there a role for breathing in the corporate world? I think so. Actually, we think the potential is enormous. You know, when we think about individuals coming out of business college and other degrees and professions and going into the corporate world, and they're not gave the tools how to focus, how to concentrate, how to deal with stress, how to conserve energy, how to upregulate. Very, very important tools. And that's what I want to have a conversation with Lars. So Lars is from Norway and he lives about an hour outside of Oslo and he's working specifically, um, well, part of who he works with includes corporations. And uh, I think there's a great fit there. So Lars, welcome. And um, yeah, it's a really important conversation, isn't it? Given that people spend maybe 30 to 40 hours and more of their week hmm. in a corporation, even more than their family. And yet there can be high stress levels there and a lot of politics and people don't necessarily, they are not trained in the skills to be able to self-regulate. Yeah, uh, uh, 100%. And yeah, first of all, thank you for having me and having this conversation because uh, like you said, it's it's very important. And uh, yeah, in Norway, uh, it's the same throughout in the Western world is that the, the, the workload and the stress load is increasing and uh, problems with burnouts and and depression and mental health is on the rise and uh, the tools that you have provided with the oxygen advantage method and of course all this new knowledge that have come have uh, it, it's possible to reverse it if if people get to know it if you know what i mean so uh, this is uh, it, it's powerful and it's easy but it has to be uh, implemented in in uh, in corporations and that's that's the big um uh that's the problem you know <laughs> yeah but you know you know maybe i'm cynical here but i think there's only one thing that corporations are concerned with and that's the bottom line yeah, yeah. It, does it does it make a difference to that that's the question can we show it makes a difference yeah and that's that's the cool thing because uh we have this uh really uh um fascinating story about how we turn conflict into kind of success by uh, making people uh, thrive through uh, uh, um, working together on team development, but also on implementing stress management tools. And the bottom line was that when after people started uh, really uh, enjoying themselves at work and trusting each other, then you know revenue increased because we, we were innovating on the products we were innovating on the way we treated customers innovating on the way we sold products and that's how we increased our revenue so it's it's a really cool story about um using these tools uh and you uh, spending time training on it and then seeing the the results so how did you approach it? So you don't, of course, have to give me any details of the company or anything like that. Um, or if you want to, that's fine. How did you approach it? So you're going in or maybe it's your business. I'm not sure. 
Can you just give me a little bit of background? I'd like to see all of the practical. How did you introduce it? What way did it work? The detail. Yeah. So I can tell you like a uh, little bit of the background story because uh, like my story is that, you know, uh, I worked in this company. Uh, it's a big media company in Norway. Uh, and we had this conflict at work. And that conflict was just really eating me up on the inside out. You know, I was and it was affecting my sleep, my mood, you know, my stress levels. And that, again, you know, it impacted uh, me being a husband and a father and a friend. You know, it's uh, when you don't sleep, you're not uh, you're not a good person. <laughs> so so what happened was that and and I've um, I've been an expedition leader. So I've been taking people on Arctic expeditions to, you know, Greenland and Svalbard and places like that. And then I started thinking like, why am I focusing so well when I'm out in this extreme conditions, if you would like to say it. Uh, and I started thinking about like, I, 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 uh, I'm perfect in the field when I'm out in nature, but I'm not like that when I'm at work. And then I started thinking about the basic needs. You know, we take care of ourselves. We, we sleep enough, we eat proper food we take care of each other in the team we have good communication lines we have clear goals and I, then i started talking to my leader and saying like could we maybe try to implement some of these things into our uh, uh, apartment and, and work on it and the second part of the story is that my my dad he uh, da uh, died last year and he was he was working you know he was working too much and he didn't have all these tools that we're talking about here. So can I ask you what age? I'm sorry to hear of your dad's passing. Yeah, I know yeah. it's it's really, really tough. And yeah, it's tough. It can be a long time to work. What age was he? Uh he was uh, 73. So it's okay. uh way he's, too he's still young. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his last 10 years was uh he uh he were in poor health. So I have kind of seen the dark side of having poor health. Um, and, and, and I realized, can I like, cut yeah. across you. Do you think it was solely related, or very much related, to stress in the workplace? Uh no. I, I mean, it's bits and pieces. You know, yeah. it's, you know, trauma from his early days. He lost yes. his father early. He didn't uh, process that the right way. He headed into the work life. You know, like just working, working, working. You know, uh, didn't care. Didn't. Uh, he he used to be an athlete, but he stopped doing that. And then he, uh, my brother was uh, he is uh, he uh, there was an accident when he was born, so he um, he was uh, he had this uh, brain damage. So you know, lots of things that happened through him in the early days, and I think he kind of you know worked his way through it by working a lot. Yeah, yeah, and, that was his, that was his way of escaping. And yeah, I think but, so. Working a lot was kind of akin to that generation. And I think our generation, or at least I'm not sure what age you were, but I'm almost 50. Yeah. We also, we worked a lot. Yeah. And I really yeah. wonder, is it, uh, and we were putting all hours on, of you know, and it's not, I know people talk about life-work balance. I do believe there's, there's a, a thing, it's important to work. Yeah, It's important to give it your best shot. Yeah, I absolutely I believe in that. It's yeah. almost that we've gone from one extreme to the other. So your father would be nonstop working. And yeah. now it's almost that, okay, that would be very much a yang. 
and now there's a tendency now that quite quitting and slow quitting and all of this stuff going on over here yeah. what about the middle you know so i think that's where you're kind of going yeah 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 and and that that uh, that leads us to the philosophy that we developed uh, in the team and that was that we we wanted to call it sustainable performance over time so that means that's exactly what you're saying about being in the middle and we stopped talking about work life balance and then we said it's all about life balance because you know you work and you live and you work and you live and it's it's uh, impossible to separate those uh, two things so we made this philosophy about like what is sustainable performance you know we like to perform at work but how do we do that good over time because it's super easy to you know like give full throttle you perform super high at one week, two week, maybe six months, but then you get exhausted. Uh, so we figure out like it's kind of three levels. You have to have good health in the in the bottom, right? So you know, proper sleep, good stress balance, you know, um, eating properly, moving, connecting with nature, those kind of things. And then we said also that. We have to have the energy and the surplus to live the life we want. Like I'm a father. When I come home from work, I want to play with my children. I don't want to just like dive into the sofa and be exhausted or my mind is all over the place and not with my family. And we figured out if we can do those things in the bottom, then we can have the energy to perform good and sustainable over a long period of time. Because we don't want to lose people because either they, yeah, quiet quitting or if they are uh, getting burnt out. So that's the that's the purpose. So in further on, and I'm going to go into the practical how we did it. But uh, we found out that self-leadership and feedback culture and psycho uh, psychological safety, those were the three kind of compounds that we can work on and also that we can measure. So we wanted to see uh, where are we now and uh, uh, would we improve if we will start doing all of these uh, different uh, different tasks and work on, on developing people. So in order to, to break it down, we kind of, uh, we, we uh, broke it down into two different levels and that was stress management and self-developing for uh, uh, becoming a better team member. And that's when the magic started to happen. Uh, and I remember in, in, in terms of breathing, like we want to talk about that because uh, uh, after I was in that conflict and you know COVID came and then I uh, came over, you know, uh, both the Oxygen Advantage and the XPT training from Laird Hamilton and the Wim Hof uh, method. And then I was like, wow, we can use this in the workplace, you know, because it, it gave me such a profound change, like connecting with myself, you know, connecting with my feelings. But also I kind of felt this cognitive uh, uplift, like I was thinking better, you know, I was more present, thinking better. And I was like, wow, this could be implemented into the workplace. And I remember the first time I did that, it was really out of my comfort zone. And I went to the team and said, like, okay, we're going to have this creative workshop today. Uh, but I want to I want to introduce some breathing techniques before we begin, just so we can be present, focused, and energized. And people were like looking at me and were like, okay, Lars, 
where where are you going now and what what where is this coming from but they were like after we did it and that that breathing exercise was a a, a mix of you know relaxation slow breathing but also a little bit of the activation part like a little bit of a, a hyperventilation and some faster breathing and some breath holds like in the Wim Hof uh, thing but I did it very easy and people were like wow what happened you know what happened and I could immediately see the change in the team after doing those exercises like people were calm present they were not like fidgeting on their phones or the laptops they were like and they said it afterwards like wow i i came from back-to-back -back meetings and doing that breathing exercise i kind of cleared everything and i was fully present and that was i can't uh, um, can't remember the last time i was like that at work and that's when I kind of figured out like, okay, this is something that I have to do more. So I uh, I developed this kind of breathing program uh, where I took bits and pieces, like uh, again, bringing in the foundation was, was the health part, like nasal breathing, you know, slow and low and through the nose during the day. Uh, and and teaching people like why is it important to do it that way and how we can optimize our uh, respiration system and everything but then I also taught him like this kind of cool exercises in order to activate the system you know like uh, upregulate but also how to perform under pressure you know if you're going to have a lecture or a sales meeting or whatever and uh, but the part also that people really liked was the recovery part, like uh, breathing for better sleep or meditation or re relaxation. So, yeah. And and uh, I've gotten really good feedback on that. Why do you think, why do you think it's taken so long? It's, it's a question that's puzzled me. Um, I use breathing in my everyday life. I have yeah. a small business. Anybody with a small business needs to, because there's always going to be a certain amount of, you know, pressure, deadlines, stress, etc. What? Why is it taking such a long time for an awareness in terms of breathing? That's a good question, and I I haven't solved it myself because you know, like I I've a I'm a strong advocate for it, and I have so much passion for it. So I have kind of like you know, uh, been missionary in the all <laughs> all in our, yeah, yeah 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 it's great. Yeah, and, and people really like it, but I still kind of are figuring out one thing is to get the kind of doing it once or being on a two-day seminar, but how to get people to continue practicing and yeah, training. But, yeah, and I agree with you. It's see, but the thing is the it can be made very accessible. Yeah, you know, it, it's not something you don't need any equipment. No. You 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 don't need and you don't even need that much time. You know you can go for a walk. I'm, there's quite a bit of rain coming in, so I just need to close the window. But I'll continue talking. You mm. can go for a walk and bring yeah. good breathing practice into your walk. Yeah. You you can you know before sleep you can be using the tools to downregulate. Yeah. So it's really about making it accessible. I don't think it has been made accessible to people. I don't think people really understood. And all in terms of breath was. You know, most of the instruction was take a full deep breath for yourself. I'm sure that's in it's that's going to do zero. 
absolutely yeah. nothing. It's probably the 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 you know it's it's probably for some people it could do more harm than good. I remember yeah. going into an exam and I was stressed about it. Going back twenty five years ago, and I took these full deep breaths. And I went in lightheaded and everything, you know. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. But anyway, coming back to you. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I think that you said it time. It's it, it doesn't have to take much time, but I, this is my my personal thought: is that you know people are so stressed during uh, during the days at work or in their everyday life. So just taking the time to sit down and you know, just look at the birds or do some breathing or whatever. It's hard because people are, they want to be performing, be effective, or they have too much on their table to, uh, to, to do. So it's, I think it's, it's super hard to, to get people to, to make the time. And that's why I want to kind of make this into, and, and that's also part of the success we did in this department that I work for. Well, because we, we put it in the calendar. So it was part of uh, like weekly meetings and stuff like that. We had that f sometimes just five minutes, just like relaxing before we started the Monday meeting, you know, like down regulate, uh, have a nice slow start on the Monday and people loved it, but still mm. I don't know, some, some are uh, using it themselves and some just do it when they're told to. Yeah. So, uh, but but it's there, and they can always fall back on it. So yeah. I never I never think it's wasted. You know, I think when we plant a seed, you know, things happen in people's lives, and breathing is always. And I think there's a comfort in knowing that. Do you yeah. feel yourself that you can take on more challenging situations, given that you have breathing to fall back on, or to prepare you? That it gives you a comfort knowing that you have some degree of control 100 percent, and i i i use very uh, uh, different kinds of breathing uh, tactics in terms of what uh, what my needs are like mm. sometimes i feel like some days i'm kind of you know a little bit uh drowsy or a little bit down then i do some breathing for uh, regulating up or yeah. before meeting i'm doing the more kind of how to perform and i did some breathing exercises before our conversation as well Mm -hmm. and, but I think like in terms of meditation, that's also a very uh, important part is that um, like I told you about my father dying mm. uh, and, you know, in our times when things are going fast and, you know, exciting things at work, it's hard to take the time to uh, be in the sorrow or the morning. And, and, and that's also some of the things that um, the breathing uh, techniques have really taught me is that when I've kind of, when I do longer sessions, let, let's say uh, 20, 30, maybe 45 minutes. And when, when I kind of go into the depth and take away all the noise and distractions and I'm at my core, that's when I realize, whoa, I'm still mourning, you know, I have to remember that, you know, yeah. things are going too fast, but I have to remember that I'm still missing my father, you know, I'm thinking about it and it's there, you know, the yeah. subconscious, it's there, but it's hard to pay attention to it because the days are uh, going fast. 
So the meditation part for me has been maybe the the biggest impact of all. Yeah. 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 In terms of the science, people like science, you're, you're also looking at the science in terms of application of breathing and many people are wearing aura rings and different devices. Yeah. That gives you feedback on your resilience. And tell me how you're incorporating both, because of course we're using breathing techniques and deep sleep yeah, to, opt yeah. to optimize that and the device is giving feedback on it. Yeah, it's uh, good that you mentioned that because we did one project this uh, before the summer and because there's this doctor in Norway, he has written this book about how we can use biometric measurements uh, like uh, Aura Ring, Whoop or Garmin. So I uh, I made this uh, agreement with Garmin Norway in terms of uh, letting employees buy discounted watches. And we, we, uh, we um, uh, had several lectures that uh, either that doctor Torkil did or myself in terms of breathing and stress management. So all the employees that wanted to, you know, increase their awareness, you know, their surplus, their energy and learn how to self-regulate better, they applied uh, uh, on that project and we did the measurement before and after. And it's and I, and, and this was like a really easy experiment. So I'm going to work on kind of uh, on developing the framework on that. But in just a couple of months, we measured on surplus, uh, better sleep, better stress management, and uh, better focus. And the reported, self-reported, so it's not science, it's only self-reported, but it varied between 20 to 30% increase. So people were saying like, uh, with a, after starting using this watch and after implementing breathing techniques, mental training, all that, you know, yeah. they improved between 20 and 30%. It's huge. It's huge. And, you know, uh, like the Dr. Torkul is saying, like, these are the things people get sick from, yeah. you know, too much stress yes. is what we get sick from in the, in the long term. So when we, if we can uh, uh, apply this in the workplace uh, as, uh, as something that is, uh, um, you know, some part of the, the, the work life culture, we can, we can uh, improve yeah, uh, life balance, work life balance, but also getting people to be healthier and stronger for a longer period of time. Yeah. And also they will be happier during that time. Exactly. You know, because if we're stressed, it's, we're not happy at that time, regardless of the impact it's having on our health. But yeah. very often though, we're stuck in it and we don't always see, mm. you know, the, the, the perception is difficult to perceive where we are in that we're just caught in it. And sometimes for some people, it's they're burnt out before they realize it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people reported back saying that I didn't know what was my energy leakages. So let's say for al alcohol, for example, everybody, mm -hmm. uh, they know that alcohol is, you know, bad for you in, in, uh, uh, if you drink too much, but after they started, uh, um, measuring, they see like, whoa, alcohol is so much worse than I thought. So people... Uh, they, you know, they uh, um, decrease their drinking, 
or do not drink that much. And they reported back saying, I didn't know that I needed more um, uh, rest. You know, I thought that I needed more hard training, but it was the opposite. And especially those people that did the breathing or uh, uh, incorporated breathing uh, exercises or uh, protocols in their daily life, they said like, this is the most an accessible tool of them all. So um, I think this is really just the beginning. And like you said in the beginning here, um, uh, why is it not there yet? I think it's in the beginning. And I think this is something yeah. that would be, uh, be uh, uh, or it has to be incorporated in, in our organizations. Well, it has to be. I, I, read, I did business college, you know. Yeah. I was in the corporate world. Yeah. I absolutely hated it. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't the company, but it was the stress levels and the stress that was put on top of us, yeah. and stress put on us, and we had to put the same stress on the people below us. Like yeah. it was a terrible situation, yeah. and we were working. We started work at eight a.m. We finished at six p.m., but we never finished at six. It could be eight a. eight p.m. Yeah. So we were doing twelve-hour days. We were working half day Saturday, and I did that for three years. Now the only thing I got out of it was I said I would never work for anybody ever again in my life, <laughs> and that was it. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. Never worked again for somebody again in my life, but I was lucky to find, find breathing. Um, coming back in, so breathing kind of became my career as well of my salvation. Uh, coming back to the metrics though, and HRV, so you were measuring primarily, I'm assuming, HRV from the Garmin device. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Were, were some people quite low? Were you were you shocked? Were you surprised? Yeah, both both in terms of the bolt score, but also the HRV. That's a question. Did you see a correlation or any correlation between them? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the people with the lowest HRV also had uh, low bolt scores. So, and I'm I'm not a doctor, so I'm kind of uh, I'm not um, uh, wanting to say that uh, oh we did this and we fixed everything. But I I really saw people that when they started. Uh, realizing how HRV and the nervous system is all, you know, uh, how that works and how you can affect it uh, yourself and what it is affected by, like uh, uh, how you eat, uh, the people you're uh, um, uh, surrounding yourself with, you know, how alcohol, poor sleep or good sleep, all those factors. And people can start working on themselves, like they have the power of doing it themselves. And then you see, you know, um, uh, bolt scores increases and HRV most of the times increase as well. Mm. There's a relationship there between the two, um, chemo reflex sensitivity and baroreflex sensitivity. So it's it would be too scientific in terms of going. And I don't fully understand it because HRV is quite a difficult metric you know, mm. in a very simple measurement, it's the or to or interval or the time between heartbeats. And if we're in balance during inspiration, um, you know, I'm just kind of yeah. giving yeah, a, yeah. Quick, a quick picture. During inspiration, your heartbeat should accelerate a little bit. So your heartbeat should be faster. And during exhalation, during rest, um, the time between each heartbeat should be longer. Mm. So your heartbeat should be slowing down during exhalation and speeding up a little during inhalation. Um, there's many factors influencing it because... So say, for example, you're working with somebody and he's 40 years of age and he is a metric and his HRV is, we'll say, 30 or whatever. 
And then he goes in on Google and he says, oh, my God, my HRV is terrible low. It should be way up here. Mm. It can be disconcerting for that individual. Do you approach that or what do you see in terms of? Yeah, it's it's it, it's super important. Like, for, first of all, when we uh, um, introduce these tools, first of all, it was 100 um, percent. It's uh, optional. So you yes. don't to do it it's 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 for the people that are curious and open and interested in it and second part was that we were super uh um uh, uh particular on saying that you know this is an individual measure you know don't uh, look at other people's yes. measures but focus on the long term and focus on slowly increasing the measurements that you can have and it yes. will go up and down so and I I used to show my kind of stress levels and you know took the screenshots from my Garmin watch or my Whoop and saying okay this is where I argue with my wife you know here it's red and here you see I drank some alcohol it's red you know uh, the HRV is going down no problem I can you know as long as I have control on the long term yes. so and that's very important because you, like you say some people and I always get this question like oh. I'm not sure if it's good for me to to pay attention to it because uh, I know it's bad. And that's also yes, something yes. that I'm kind of like, yeah, but if you know it's bad, don't you want to change it? So, so that's also been a part of the process telling people like, do you want to acknowledge it and work with it or just put it away and, uh, you know. Ignore pretend, it. Yeah, ignore it and pretend it's not there. It's, it's yeah. not really bad per se. It's just that's where you are at this present moment. Yeah. yeah. So you've got something to work with. Yeah. And the only other thing is, do, would you feel that some, I think in terms of bringing technology into corporations that management may be using, the employees may feel that management is using the the, the data um, as a means of selecting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And that's the first time I ask employees, uh, so and and going backwards before we applied technology, I remember I asked people in the company like, "Who do one uh, uh, who wants to join a stress management course?" And nobody was saying uh, that they wanted because stress management is like, "Oh, I'm uh, uh, I I'm not strong. I'm stressed. It's a weakness." Okay. So I so. figured I have to do uh, sh uh, shift the way I presented the different words. So I yes. said. Who wants to be better at turning on and off? Uh, and who wants more uh, surplus or energy mm. or wants better sleep? And then people say, oh, yeah, I want that. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's all about how you tell the story. Yeah, it's about this. See that? Atomic yeah, focus. Yeah. I wrote a book, Anxiety Free in 2010. Yeah. Very few men were reading it. Yeah. Atomic focus, oxygen advantage, drive. Yeah. The language we communicate is very important. And that's coming back to you. Another question I asked you, how come breathing has been overlooked? It was because the language yeah. and, the, and the, 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 the way it was put out there was not made accessible to the individual. We yeah. need to dial it down to the person in front of us, you know, yeah. because I will say there's absolutely something incredibly powerful in this. Um, yeah. Why not? You know, it's just those tools to to be able to self-regulate is amazing it's absolutely amazing yeah it is and and for me uh to answer that question 
I I realized that first of all, I have to tell my story, like saying how I was miserable, but I used these techniques and it helped me. And then I tell, cause I've been working as a, like a performance coach for both uh, uh, athletes, uh, uh, like top level athletes and also some policemen working in the, like the, it's like the FBI equivalent in Norway. And when I can tell the stories about like, even though you're an employee, you're a leader or an athlete or a policeman, it's all the same. We all need to perform and we're all under stress and we don't know what the stress is some of the times. And the breath work is the way to, you know, tap into. And uh, I say that, you know, uh, breathing is the remote control to your nervous system. And then people saying like, ah, yeah, okay. Now it sounds more, you know, performance or macho or whatever. And sadly, that's the way to, especially men, you know. Yeah, but you know what? It's the way it is. And why not use those words? And that's why I shy away from using the words meditation and mindfulness. You know, yeah. like we have two options. We yeah. are either we are either stuck in our head, ruminating and taught with all of the, all of the negativity that's going on, and it's sabotaging us in every part of our life, yeah. or we have some degree over our control over our thinking. Do you think the education system is going to change? Because this is another question: Why isn't it taught in schools? You know. Um, and I feel that it's going to be many, many years. Like, why not get rid of history and geography? Get rid yeah. of it altogether yeah. and replace it with two subjects. One is one is breathing and self-regulation and the mind. And mm-hmm. the other is to be able to deal with financial issues, the workplace and the yeah. everyday challenges that people face. And there should even be another class now on social media, artificial intelligence, and preparing these kids for the world that they are going out into. Our education system is almost back the 18th century, you know? Do you think it will change? In Norway, do you see any change? Uh, I mean, uh, first of all, I 100% agree. And that's that's my next experiment now. It's actually to, to... to try to, because um, I have a really good dialogue with my old high school. So I want to try to do this in that school and see and make a case out of it. Because like I told you earlier, it's all about the storytelling. Mm. So, uh, and and I've been teaching some young athletes now that are struggling, you know, either with school or with asthma or with uh, poor sleep. And especially that guy with asthma, just... Uh, teaching him the oxygen advantage me- method mm. it have improved his sleep his asthma is still there but it's it's really a lot better and now he can actually do the he's an ice hockey player now he can do the running as without throwing up because he, he used to as uh, as soon as he started the, doing the the running uh he just started the coughing and then throwing up yeah. so yeah he was in the wrong sport yeah. Um, no, I don't mean that in a bad way, but ice, cold, dry air can cause irritation of the airway. So for him, nasal breathing was even more important. And right. the connection there with the coughing was he obviously got into fits of coughing, yeah. which which caused him to throw up um, because it can do. And I've seen coughing breaking ribs as well. So yeah. that's great. Great stuff. Well done. Um, yeah. Just we're on the same path as I think as you. We've spent the last three months 
putting presentations together for young children, for children between 8 and 12 years of age and 12 and 17 years of age. Atomic Focus Kids, Teens and Yoda Kids. So we'll have those presentations. You'll see them on the, the portal. I think it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's, you know, like I'm a father for two sons. So my uh, sons are seven and ten. And I'm doing like bits and pieces of experiments with them. But they're like, oh, dad, you know, don't. Give me yes. But the times they do some of the breathing exercises, they fall asleep so much faster. And I tell them, like, you know, try to see the connection of doing this and you fall asleep faster. And uh, uh, so, yeah, back to your question. Uh, I also want to uh, do some experiments with doing some online courses, but also some physical uh physical courses because i always see that when people kind of get an experience out of it then they kind of hooked to the feeling mm -hmm. and then it's easier for them to do the online trainings and do get get it uh, as a part of themselves so my big vision is that uh, uh, uh is to give away these courses and and let people uh or uh young people uh, experience it and train on a regular basis in terms like you say getting prepared for life yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What, uh, in, in Norway uh, uh, I think there's this new uh, survey that was done and it was three out of four saying they felt almost burned out or burned out at a certain uh, period of time kids yeah, no, no young young professionals. So let's say twenty between twenty and twenty five. Yeah. I've I've done some I've done some leadership training with young professionals. So I uh, created this concept called disconnect to reconnect. So we brought them out to nature, and I taught them their breathing exercises. We did some cold exposure training, just to make it kind of a uh, exciting. But they tell us all the same stories, you know um they feel they have to perform all the time they're connected not uh, they're kind of you know yeah connected to technology all the time and they don't have time to either breathe or think and that they do all that when they come home and a lot of the stress that they told us when we was uh, on that trip was that you know they are afraid to uh, offend people afraid of doing things wrong you know, they some of them are the best in class of what they do, but they still kind of their uh, self confidence is low, or uh, and their resilience is low. So that's what we wanted to train them on. You know, like the power in the power in the body and the power in the mind, and being able to trust trust themselves. So is there, uh, so, is there something happening in society? Yeah. I, I get it in terms of social media and you were talking about those those youngsters, you know, they're they're connected with IT all the time at work, but yeah. they're, they're also connected with IT all the time when they get home because yeah. they're probably scrolling their phones, scrolling, 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 scrolling. But that thing about being afraid to offend, it's almost that that's and I'd, I have to be careful what I say. Okay, I'm saying I don't mean that, that we have the right to offend people, but mm -hmm. it's gone to a point almost that we have to be conscious of about anything that we say, because anything that we say could be taken up the wrong way. It's yeah. it's it's kind of um 
And it seems to be a recent thing as well, isn't it? So I can imagine then the pressure. So these young kids, okay, young professionals, they have to doubly, they have to be so careful about what they say because it can be construed as, that's another pressure. Yeah, okay. And and we ask them questions like, uh, what would be the, your dream life or what is success? And we had to, we had this, uh, we were sitting in this uh, 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 next to each other in a ring and discussing these topics. And people said like, to be honest, success is working with something meaningful, but it doesn't have to be uh, a high salary or a fancy car or fancy job title. It's about doing something meaningful, having a positive impact on society. And they also said, when I feel that I'm the most alive is when I'm at my cabin drinking coffee, not having any plans, going for a swim, being in the forest, you know, like not performing at all. And for them just to sit in the ring and discussing this was, they said that this is so refreshing because I thought I was the only one having these thoughts. I know, but see, there's another aspect of as well, you know, Maybe yeah. we don't always get to to work in a work that's absolutely impactful and meaningful. Yeah. Maybe we don't. Yeah. So what happens there? Yeah. The person gets depressed. You know, if you were to look at even any any age group, you know, it, it, like, do we have a self right to have absolutely impactful contribution to make? You know, I I'm just trying to rephrase this. I'm just. I wonder, is it possible that, like, I remember, you know, having a conversation 30 years ago. I was just coming into the workforce 30 years ago, and I said, I would love to have a job that I would love to do. Mm. And an older man at the time said, he said, you'd be very, very lucky, Patrick. Mm. Now, I was lucky, but yeah. a lot of people, and I've seen all of my peers at the time, and we, they were up, they're all highly they're educated people. They've done well, but they weren't necessarily happy and a lot of stress. So we we don't always get to find a role that we are aligned to. Yeah. And I don't know if it's possible for everybody. And I'm just thinking about the people that are, is there, is there another way to look at this, Lars? How about a young 20-year-old goes out there and gives yeah. it their best absolute shot, mm. gives it their utmost, and okay. then, then life starts to direct us and help us in different ways, as opposed to waiting there, and waiting, yeah, I'm not making an impact and I'm waiting for this impact to come, but I'm not doing anything myself to strive mm. towards it. What do you think on that? I, I know we're going off topic, but I think it's interesting from the... Well, it's off topic, but it's still on topic because this is these are some of the discussions that we did in our department, actually. And what I found out was that doing small changes can have big impacts. So let's, for example, let's say job roles. Right. So the traditional way of having a job role is that, you know, Patrick, you're supposed to do this, this and this and this in your uh, your role. And I'm supposed to do this, this and this. And we had these discussions uh, within the team saying, like, what are the things you do like in your role? What are the things or the tasks you do not like? And then we spoke openly about that and we figured out, like, sometimes I was doing tasks that I hated and it took me so much energy and other people in the team that would love to have that task. So then we just switched. So we kind of like, okay, let's not have this rigid old fashioned way of looking at how titles are, are made. So that's one thing. 
And another thing is that, so I have had this brilliant re, uh, uh, leader now called Siri, and she figured out that if I can do bread and butter, you know, like you have to do these tasks, but whatever you want to do, as long as you deliver on the KPIs that are set, you can do whatever you want. So then I started working on more, you know, sustainability th uh, things, you know, like, uh, uh, and that was important to my values. And then I created uh, a meaningful uh, task, even though I was working on something else. And so we started slowly incorporating, like if people had passion and the surplus to do more than uh, their kind of bread and butter tasks, then they can start creating. And suddenly we found out that sometimes that was something we can also turn into revenue. So it's kind of a, you know, it's hard to explain, but it's it's a bit of, and I know Google have done this as well, you know, like uh, you can take 10 to 20% of your time uh, following a passion thing, and maybe it will be something you can uh, put into your work or you can, you know, start a business or whatever. And I feel that that was also something that we did with a lot of success because then people kind of, could think for themselves, starting small and adding more to it, bit and, uh, bits, uh, bits and pieces, if that made any sense. Yeah, totally. So once yeah. the bread and butter is done, you can, yeah. you can direct your energy to a skill and you're going to learn about yourself in the process. Yeah. Um, so just for me, example was that, you know, stress management and uh, performance management was something that I wanted to develop as a skill. And as long as I did bread and butter, mm. I was able to do lectures and workshops throughout the company for people that I didn't know. I was saying to people, uh, um, uh, please attend this uh, breathwork uh, course. Uh, and it was nothing we charged anything for. And I did it on just because I wanted to train and get better at it. Mm. And that was a huge benefit for the company. Mm. And I it's ten percent of your work time. Yeah. So yeah. in other words, it's 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 a good give and take. Yeah. And I had people coming back saying that I have avoided, you know, panic attacks, or I now I there was this girl, she lost her job and she thought she was having a heart attack on the train station, but then she realized, ah, oh, these sensations are what Lars taught me about when we did that uh, uh accelerated breathing. You know, the same sensations. So she was figuring out, ah, maybe it's a panic attack. And then she was down-regulating herself. And I have so many stories about similar, you know, um, episodes. And that's all because I was, uh, um, I was able to do it as uh, aside from my bread and butter task. So yeah, it's a big, uh, big plus for for companies. Do you think companies are also going to go down the route of, in terms of profit sharing? So it, maybe there are some a number of companies doing it at the moment, but you've got a, a company and their annual accounts come out, and based on the the net profit there, that a certain percent in is distributed amongst the employees. Um, is that something that you see in Norway? Is uh, have you touched on it? I, I think it's a bit uh, premature right now. So I think it has to kind of 
like we we really got the attention like first we we were showing off um our um you know the the work life survey i don't know the english word like how are people saying mm. that they uh, have it at work and you know our scores went through the roof and people like yeah 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 you know it's nice but after we showed that we doubled our revenue that's when people are like okay what's what's going on now this is something that we want to have as well so in order to get the upper management uh, attention i think you have to uh, have those uh, financial scores right so as long as you can link the activities you do on strategic um uh things that you can measure let's say the surveys but most of all like let's say uh quality enhancement or uh, innovation enhancement or or let's say revenue increase that's when you really get the kind of attention that is needed so i think measurement is kind of a keyword to to get um to get it really going so was that published or was that an internal survey i'm just wondering is it accessible on online can people access it no it's not a no unfortunately um yeah, yeah. i wonder can, we, can it be made accessible or something similar because this then will drive a trend because yeah. the problem at the moment is that there's no metrics to back up something that we have seen. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no metrics to back up the fact that your ability to focus and concentrate, attention span, improve sleep, resilience, etc., stress handling better, and that it reflects in the bottom line. And if that can be shown, it's a no-brainer for companies. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We have had some lectures throughout in Norway telling it publicly, and. Uh, you know the feedback is people are coming like wow this is you know low hanging fruits of course yeah of course this is the language we need to be communicating out there you need yeah. to write a book yeah that's true that's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's so important um yeah. I'm just conscious of time in terms of what else do we need to be thinking about so if i'm talking about breathing in the corporate workspace so we were talking about giving is putting it make not making people do it but actually putting it into the calendar so that people are they feel compelled to do it as opposed to because all too often mm. we just say we're going to do it but we don't because we get so bogged down in work and we're afraid to do it because maybe we're seen as doing nothing and yeah i think there's three things that should be done and the the top level thing is that my big dream is that a company would set up like this, let's call it a performance center. So the performance center is kind of providing these tools that we are talking about here, like come here and learn how to optimize your breathing, optimize your sleeping, maybe even get financial support or guidance if you are struggling financially, you know, like all the things that can, you know, take your focus uh, off your stress, right? But and then also giving employees uh, these tools accessible. Like, let's say you have uh, uh, breeding courses, either physical or online, but also getting the technology in terms of Whoop or Aura or Garmin watches, like getting people to buy them with a discount if that's uh, the option. Mm. So people can, you know, take this 
into their own lives and 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 get the control over their own lives that's the second thing but i think the most important and that's where i see the biggest obstacle is mid management leaders they need to be trained in this because i think yeah. that's what the biggest need is at right now because the mid management is under so much pressure so yeah. and i already seen that some of the leaders they are so stressed and there are and you can feel it in their empathy and their focus in their way of thinking so getting them to understand this and and uh, uh, um, applying it into their own lives i think that will be a major change in the corporate life because if if the leaders are doing it then they will you know it will drip down on the employees yeah so we have to have like a top down bottom up perspective on it yeah yeah i brought out an app oxygen advantage there about 6 months ago and mm. it was brought out specifically for the corporate world specifically yeah. if i yeah. was giving a talk and the talk was an hour and a half I would then ask the the employees to download the app so that they could continue doing the breathing practice. Because oftentimes, if you go and give a talk to a corporation, you give the talk, but after the talk, the employees are, yeah, they remember it for a day or two, but then they forget about it. Whereas the app was designed to replace that. Now, the app went way over budget. Everything went way over. I I spent $150,000 on it. I would love to see the app. Yeah, getting getting the use. We have about twenty thousand downloads at the moment. I'd love to see it going up to a hundred thousand and more. And I think there is a place for it in the corporate world. And also, yeah. if we are making presentations that we can provide, because maybe the app should be speaking as well with the likes of the Whoop and different. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something in the future. You know, technology can assist us. You know, yeah. It, it and and for people getting it kind of in their face seeing it real time that's when yeah. that's when they understand it so uh, i always say when i do lectures mm. always tell them about your app because it's so um it has all the tools and it's superb because it's easy you can do the bold score you can see improvements you know so i always tell them about that but i also always include some breathing exercise even though i do a lecture for 100 people i do mm. some, some lecture no uh, i uh, let them try it oh so totally because then they're like oh okay now i understand what he's saying like i can feel it in my body and then i understand it yeah it's it's really about the experience isn't it yeah 100 percent. yeah but what do normal people so people in norway you're giving a presentation um yeah. What do you think they perceive breathing to be before you arrive? And like, what's their perception of what you're going to do before you actually do it? Yeah. So do they think it's a load of nonsense? No, but I think no. that breathing is, is sadly, it's the wrong people that have been talking about breathing. Yes. So now, and, and for me, just being a guy standing on a, like a normal, <laughs> normal guy, talking about breathing and how breathing have changed my life. That's just one big opening. So that's one thing. And the other part is that if I can link it to performance, so let's say we do a little bit of a Wim Hof uh, kind of breathing. And I tell people, 
do you think you can increase your uh, breath holding capabilities just by I give you some uh, some tools and when people experience like wow I can hold my breath for double as long as I thought mm -hmm. then I'm like wow what's more into this mm -hmm. and and third is that when they can see changes on their watch or their whoop yeah. that's also okay now now it's something performance related and then it's cool yeah uh, so but I, but I, to be honest i still struggle to get like the ice hockey team for example there's so much dysfunctional breathing there and i'm mm. trying to say to them you know if you just improve your breathing you will perform better you know more focus uh most likely you will uh, increase your uh oxygen uh, uptake and your vo2 max and everything yeah. but like, yeah no so, this is where, yeah, I had a talk yesterday for hurling. I don't know, you mightn't know this sport. This sport is a very old sport. Mm. It's played with sticks too, but it's on the field. It's considered mm. to be the fastest team sport in the world. So those of international, for me, it's the best sport in the world. Without, yeah. Yeah, I find it, I'm going to be biased. Mm. I had 25 players yesterday mm. and I put them through the exercise and I pushed them. Because I pushed them and I said, listen, guys, I want you to experience a state of breathlessness beyond what you will experience out during a sprint. And this is where it's causing the body to make adaptations. Uh -huh. And I'll also talk about the 65th minute. When your mind is wandering, it's game over. Yeah, like, yeah. Have you being trained how to hold your attention? And this is about physical performance, but mental performance and all that stuff we can weave in. Because, you know, when we're talking to 20 year old, we've been there. This is where a few gray hairs can be advantageous. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've been there. We know the vulnerabilities with it. And like, it's almost as if because we've passed through that phase in life, it gives us some insight into where they are at and to use the language to get them to resonate with it. Because so many of them are stuck in their heads. So many yeah. of them are ruminating on thought. So yeah. many of them are gassing out on the field. And yeah. this is the stuff that we really want to. I think it's the awareness part, isn't it? Yeah awareness and i think again it's about time we just have to be like unpatient un but patient <laughs> yes. so it's about i think for me so far the most powerful tool of all is to be very open about my story and to tell stories and yes. slowly but steadily people are kind of like okay what is this you know and then more people start talking about it and they have the, let's say, the Oxygen Advantage app, you know, they try that and they go on YouTube, they find, you know, meditations and they figure out what that's all about. And I think in the one or two years, this will be something that everybody's doing. Yeah. Because, and why can I say that? Because during covid and uh, uh, and from from covid until now like um cold exposure and winter swimming have become huge in norway so and in in the beginning everybody was like oh it's just a hype why are they doing it is this to show off but then people start talking about no it gives me more energy more uh, peace of mind more resilience i feel better i have more energy i just my mental health is getting better and then people are kind of like, okay, if it works for them. And it is both children and older people doing it and all in between. Yeah. So I think that it just have to, you know, we have to put the knowledge out there and 
let people kind of uh, dive into it and uh, and uh, yeah, make the stories kind of sexy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have yeah. to make it into something cool. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Final words, Lars. Maybe that maybe that was it. But uh, <laughs> what are your what are your final? Where in terms of so you spoke about the next two years or so. Uh, is there any projects you're working on? Is there anything that you're working on specifically at the minute? Yeah, so right now I'm uh, I used to work in the corporate life, but now I'm kind of uh, going into some consultancy work, and I'm working on making this into something that is very accessible uh, in terms of uh, uh, coupling mental training, because mental training is getting you know it's becoming something cool in Norway. Mm. So I'm trying to implement mental training, breathing and relaxation and meditation and the measuring biometric part into mm -hmm. kind of something mm -hmm. that is accessible. And and like I told you, telling stories from special forces, police, athletes, but also corporate life. And I think that kind of universe is something that will make... Um, make it more uh let's say favorable or something that people kind of get uh, curious about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so i guess that day yeah that's that's the that's the thing i'm working on now and i think also for people listening to this working in corporate life either as a manager or a hr person or a team leader whatever I can just tell them that if they do this, you know, if they implement stress management and start talking about stress, talking about what gives and takes energy from the people in the team or the department or the company, magical things can happen. Mm -hmm. So it's so low hanging fruits, yeah. but, and it's not something that people don't want to talk about because when you start talking about it, it becomes normal and when it becomes normal people want more so yeah. it's just just yeah it's yeah. about starting doing it i absolutely agree it's it's i would resonate with everything you've said so it's been a pleasure what's your instagram uh or do you do social media i do a little bit and i'm gonna do that more so my uh my instagram is uh, larsen with the l-a-r-s-s-e-n and a and then uh, one sign <laughs> that's my instagram uh and uh, yeah so people will find me there great stuff lars it's been a pleasure thanks yeah. very much thank you very much all right bye bye thank you for listening to the oxygen advantage podcast if you liked what you heard please subscribe and maybe take the time to leave us a review the oxygen advantage podcast is available from all your podcast providers